0: What are you how doing here? Congratulations on your book. I thought it was terrific. Oh, thanks. Absolutely thanks. terrific. Thanks. Thanks. Nice to see you. Listen, good people, I would like it to be my friend, Isaac Davis. Hi. Hi. How do you do? Hello Isaac, Hello Davis. Isaac Hi. Davis. Hi. Hello. Hi. What are you doing here? Well, I'm here. Of course, I'm here. What a funny coincidence. Oh, excuse me, Isaac I, I Davis. Hey, we home. met before. Yeah. We yeah. know no one another. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I heard you. Are you uh, quit your job? Yeah, real self-destructive impulse, you know, I want to write a book, so I said so uh, Has anybody read that Nazis are going to march in New Jersey, you know? I read this in a newspaper. We should go down there, get some guys together, you know, get some bricks and baseball bats and really explain things to them. There is this devastating satirical piece on that on the op-ed page of the Times. It is devastating. Well, a satirical piece in the Times is one thing, but bricks and baseball bats really gets right to the point. Oh, but really, biting satire is always better than physical force. think no, about no it. physical force is always better with Nazis. Because oh, right. it's hard yeah. to satirize a guy with the shiny yeah. boots yeah. now. Dave Juskow with you, the Dave Juskow Podcast, coming back after a two-week absence for personal reasons, all of which I will get to, well, right now, really, playing a different song, a song that makes me feel happy and sad at the same time, but it's such an awesome song, ELO, so underrated and so awesome at the same time. Something about this song that makes me happy and sad at the same time. Do you feel it? Anyway, Dave just got podcast. I tried a new opening theme just to get something going because the old, weather, I don't know, it didn't seem snappy. I, I, I wasn't in the snappy enough uh, mood or anything to deal with it. So, anyway, yes, we are back, and um, I'm, I'm so sorry I was gone for two weeks, but uh, Selena has left us and left the building. Uh, I put my cat down two weeks ago, and. I executed my cat two weeks ago. There's no other way. It's very kind that they put it down, but I executed her uh, for her own good, so they say. Of course, who knows? In the long run, maybe we will all go to hell for killing our animals because maybe they weren't ready to go. Maybe that's not the way to go. If we can't do it to humans, maybe we shouldn't be doing it to animals. What if God is a dog? Boy, is he going to be pissed. Uh, We don't know how it all ends. But that's what happened uh, two Saturdays ago, and I have been a mess, an absolute mess. And is it an embarrassment? Yeah, of course it's an embarrassment if you're a a man and you get that upset about, you know, a pet. Uh, As a non-pet owner for so many years before I had Selena, I used to mock people like me. I used to complete. I'm like, how could you get that upset about a pet? If, if you're going to go out and get another one to replace it. And you know what? I'm falling into the same trap. I just came back from the doggy daycare center downstairs, and they are dying for me to adopt a dog. And it was the cutest dog I've ever seen. He, she looks just like Selena. She's black. She feels like Selena. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to take a break from pets. And it's so it really is easy to replace a pet. And just fall into the same thing. I mean, I I would get over whatever I'm feeling, the loneliness that I'm feeling without Selena. I had no idea how alone I felt until Selena was gone, Um, that I wake up every day just, God, it is so lonely here. It never even occurred to me, and it must have felt that way before I got her, but it's been 14 years, so I didn't have the feeling anymore. Anytime I had nothing to do, when I sit around the house all weekend long and just hang out, I guess she was always here, so... It just wasn't an issue. And then now that she's gone, it's, uh, it's an issue every day. And I, I, was, uh, I, got a, I got a sty in my eye from crying so much. I'll walk you through it. I mean, we just got to go through it because I got to tell you what happened on the day that I actually put her down. I couldn't believe it. I, I guess I was ready. I knew it was going to happen. But the girl from Biscuits and Bath, this girl Marissa, Marissa Owens, I, I, I owe her everything. It was amazing. I was going to have her on the podcast. But she's at an adoption event today. And she came with me. She came with me and she went into the room to take care of the business that there was no way I could possibly do, which is so nice. We don't know each other that well. We've become friendly. We get coffee together sometimes. She's the manager of the store and she came with me, took some time off the adoption event, walked me down to uh, a couple of blocks to take care of it. And her and the vet vet went into the room and they they took care of what I could not possibly do. And when people tell you they can do that, I I don't know how they could possibly do that. You just feel like a bag of shit. You feel like you've let your your pet down. You know, I mean you're you're killing. You know, I mean it's 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 tough. But uh, she did it, and then you know it's just so weird, and it's and it's over, and then I'm like, listen, you you know now we get coffee, and she's like, no, let me buy it. And I'm like, no, no, you get a. You get a lifetime supply of coffee now until you you know you lose this until you leave this job or I mean forever. But I'm saying like if you're always in my neighborhood, we're going to see each other. You you have a lifetime supply of coffee. I mean, what she did was amazing, and I needed somebody to go with me. I, there was no way I was going by myself. I, I actually the person I asked to go was Rachel Feinstein. For some reason, I thought she would be comforting because she's funny and uh, you know she's a good friend, but she wasn't around, so. This was perfect, having somebody that knows about pets, and we made the decision because, you know, the vet won't tell you. And then the vet started to cry, I guess, because, you know, when you see a man crying, you know something really bad has happened, and the vet was crying. She was really nice, and now uh, Marissa down at the uh, Doggy Daycare has given her a lot of business, which a lot of uh, time, you know, I hated this vet because I just hated living in the city and the vet, but uh, she turned out to be kind of a great person and then uh, sent me a, a really lovely card after So uh, that day, I went down, and you know, I was planning my birthday show on the eighth. I'm I'm, I'm doing. I haven't been able to do the podcast. I'm taping this on a Sunday. The sun is shining. Uh, I just did Artie. I opened for Artie last night. I'll tell you all about that. And I was just like, you know what? I feel like I could do the podcast today. I finally feel a little better, where I could, you know, do the podcast in my in my room, looking at the sunshine outdoors. I was out for a little bit. I talked to some people. I feel a little better. Every day is a struggle in the sense of the waking up and the going to bed, that is when it hurts the most, where I forget that she's gone. But, uh, or I know that she's gone. But um, anyway, that day, you know, I was planning my birthday show, and that day I had to go down and get my sequin jacket that I was going to use for the big birthday show on Tuesday. Now, the big birthday show was scheduled at, just technically you would think the worst possible time you could schedule something, you put down your pet. I'm completely devastated. I didn't, sleep or eat for which is good in a way uh, the eating part uh for like two days and you know i just and then now i have a big show where i invited all friends and family but on the flip side of that what better than to be with your friends and family and the funniest people on the planet to cheer you up after you've done something like that so it was like really weird it's just like i wish i didn't have to put it together and that was making but you have to press on you have to press on when people die, they're close to you. When people die, you still got to press on. You got, I mean, it's weird, you know, if you have a loved one die, and I've never had anybody really close to me die, I mean, my dad, but who cares, you know? Uh, but, you know, I don't feel the way the same pe- about people that I do as pets, and everybody knows that about me. But let's just say I had a wife that I actually loved or something, which I can't even imagine at this point. But let's well, let's say it was my sister or something like that. Still, I probably wouldn't be that upset. I'm just saying, I'm an idiot. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? But you, but I'm going to have to do but. Let's say it's a wife or my mother. You got to make funeral arrangements. You have to put your grieving aside and do all this shit, which in a way is good because it does take your mind off shit. But like all you want to do is grieve and you got to put all this shit together and you got to worry about finances and money. Everybody's got to do it. So it's weird that that's the way it is. It's like it should all be taken care of for you somehow. And I guess people try and do that. But. You know, the bottom line is if it's like my mother or something, she had to put everything together for her husband. You know, I mean, uh, we can only do what we did. She made all the funeral arrangements and everything and got the box. We threw him in because <laughs> he didn't want like a coffin. He said, hey, put me in a fucking wooden box. No, I'm good. Put me in a wooden box. Now, please, put me in a goddamn wooden box. <laughs> I was surprised you actually wanted a box. Just throw me in the fucking dirt. Who the fuck gives a shit at that point? Anyway. Uh, so I had to get my sequin jacket that, that Saturday down at the goth store. And I went down to get it. I was wearing glasses the entire night because my eye, I had a sty, Let alone being puffy from crying. Crying immensely. Couldn't go back in my house. Had to have somebody walk me in. I just had to leave. I went up for two seconds. Everything was there for her. I, I just left. And I never came back until Monday. And this was on Saturday. I went down to get the jacket. The jacket's hilarious. I'm carrying around the jacket for like two days and it, like I said, it's a sequin jacket. So when you touch it, I'm doing it now in front of you. Of course, you can't see. When like, you touch my arm, it changes colors. Like it turns from purple to black. It was a really gay jacket, but it was really fun. When I see the pictures, I just look horrible in it. But that was the gag. So whatever. I went to pick up the jacket. I picked up a new pair of glasses. And I went down to my bar on 3rd Street. And I said, this is where I'm going to stay until they close. I'm going to drink. And I'm going to stay until they close, and then I'll probably just go to my sister's house because I I cannot go home. And that is exactly what I did. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I went went to this bar, and I sat in this one location. I had such an interesting experience there. But, like, first I met this uh, Irish girl who was really pretty and was completely coming on to me. And she's like, you look like a fun guy. We should go out and have some fun. And I'm like, well, today's not a good day for me. You know, I really want to stay. But she was so hot and she was like touching me and stuff. And and uh, that. So then I go, fine, I'll take you out somewhere. So I so anyway, Todd Barry walks by the bar and I run out. I'm like, oh, that's my friend. Let me go. Let me go say hello. So I go to see Todd and I tell him about my cat because I know he's a cat person, too. And I just tell him, like, you know, if you're around, you know, come in later or something like that. He's like, all right, I'll see you later. So then I go back in the bar. She's making out with another guy. A guy she. Did. I, mean, I was like, "What? I left for like two seconds. I, what am I in high school? This is unbelievable." Um, the guy was, and he and he took her out to Brooklyn. But you know what? I was thrilled that I didn't have to go and that I could stay at the bar. I was that was like a, a blessing in a way uh, because I I wasn't in. I wanted to stay at that bar, and I just wanted to hang out and grieve. And the best part is, the people from the comedy cellar kept coming by like you know a couple people knew, and they just kept coming by and and being great and saying hello and cheering me up you know there's a there's a British guy who's writing a book on the comedy seller, and he emailed me uh last week and he said, you know I, I have gnome's approval he's the owner uh i'd like to hear if you have any stories about the seller, you know I got your name from no you know whatever I've talked about it on the show a hundred times to be part of the comedy seller family is like kind of the greatest thing in the whole world. And it really is a family. And you really sometimes don't even realize it until something like that happens where everybody was coming by Marina Franklin, Rachel Feinstein, Lenny Marcus, Jim Florentine, Todd Barry and his girlfriend. They all came by at different times, almost like, um, like sitting Shiva, you know, where people just come in and out and, and, we all drank and i and 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 they were just so nice people just kept coming in and out and it made the Lynn Coplitz was amazing. They all came by to say how sorry they were and help a friend out in need and I got to tell you, you know when you think about comics, you just don't think they're like that, and they completely were they knew I was grieving, and they came over to uh, send their love David tell came over it was it w- It was really, really great, and people were texting all day when they had heard and you know, I know it's just a cat, but I guess they knew how close I was to the cat. And I guess there are people that are pet people and they just uh, were really kind. But I, And so when this guy said he wants to tell seller stories, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I have any seller stories, but I'll tell you what I do have. And I should just write a book on this myself about your seller family. You know, the, the couple times I've wanted to just kind of end things when I go down to the cellar. There's this just great acceptance and love that every human needs. The kind of love you would get from a pet, from these complete assholes, you know, uh, the meanest of all people. You know, people that are roasting and, and making fun of you. That's their job. And just butchering each other. And yet there is this ridiculous camaraderie around it. And for them to do that to me, since I'm not technically a real comedian... But they treat me like one there, and I got to tell you, I don't think the other comics understand. I think they might because they know how important the seller is, but it's a real thing, and it was really, really super, and it made the day go by really great. And, of course, my friend Lori was working there, so it was perfect. And then um, the waitress, this girl Cynthia, was nice, and she's really pretty. And, and, again, we stayed until, like, 7 in the morning, which was terrific because I really just wanted to be out all night. I didn't want to go home, and we were playing all the – fun music um they played. what did they oh my god they play and I, like, i'm not prepared today you know i didn't know i was gonna do it but you know what i'm gonna look it up right now i'm gonna play it for you i cannot believe this girl me and this girl Lori. i don't know what the deal is but we are connected I, I, I don't know what her deal is she's probably 10 to 15 years she's probably 15 years younger than me but i mean we are just kindred spirits i think at least when it comes to music you know this is the one i went to joan jet with and everything i'm just gonna go to youtube and I know I can find this song. You're not going to believe what she played that really just made my night in a, you know, in a kindred spirit kind of way. She's also a cat person, so she completely understood. And her boyfriend, last night I saw him, and they're taking care of their cat who's ill now. So they just totally got it. So that really was the perfect place to be where they knew I was having a bad time and they know about uh, cats and pets, even as, you know, gay as it technically is, you know. Okay, this is what she played. Buck Rogers of the 25th century, everybody. Yeah, I can't even believe it. That's what she played. And I was like, I I probably sing that song once a week in my head. I don't know why. It's just, you know, something I grew up on. And it was just such an awesome thing. And apparently there's like words to it and everything. And I don't know. But I couldn't even believe that she played it. I could not even believe it. And I was like, so psyched. hiya, Buck. What was that guy's name? Twiggy? Was it Twiggy? Let's see. If I get it done, uh, Twigy, Twig, Twiggy. I am Buck. Let's see what he says. Booty, booty, something from the bar, sir. Hold the phone. Nothing from me, thanks. Booty, 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 booty. booty, booty, booty.
1: He's meeting a girl.
0: Booty, booty, booty. Yeah, that was all. It's so funny. Tweaky, where are you going? Isn't that Doctor Thelopidus? Don't ask. Hi, Buck. Oh, I see somebody put that together. Well, yeah. So you remember that robot and stuff, and that was uh, that's all. Buck Rogers the Twenty First Century. I love that song. And I was, like, so happy when she played it. It was so weird. Nobody knows that song. And who would play it at a bar after hours just to have a good time? And, like, we were so excited about it. I was like, I have definitely found, you know, my place. And then right after that, uh, we heard, you know, this one, which is, of course, a classic. (laughs) What's happened to me I can't believe it myself Suddenly I'm up on top of the world It should have been somebody able to play this on the uh, piano Just like the light of a new day I'm not looking at the lyric Hit me from, from out, out of the, out of the blue. blue I remember it Breaking me out God that spell I was in making the- all of my All the way back to 1981, Joey Scarborough and I think that's who it is can't believe I remember that Oh, a classic a real classic, that was so awesome um, so what a great night, right in a sense of like, you know all the, the horrible tragedy that happened and then uh, being with uh, really good friends and, and Dave Juska, I like music uh, you know, turned out to be a great evening then after that, it was like 6.30 or 7, and one of the waitresses lives in, like, uh, Weehawken or something, right outside the Lincoln Tunnel. And I said, well, listen, I'm going to take my car, and I'm going to go to my sister's, so why don't you come with me? And I drove her home, and I've always, I can't deny, I've always been quite attracted to her. And then uh, I drove her home, and she's like, do you want to come in for a beer? And I'm like, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. She's like, Scotch? I'm kidding. That's from Mr. Mom, but that did happen. Um, and then I went into her home, which was... Kind of like the project, so I was getting a little nervous. Um, I think she's Hispanic and uh, racist. And then, uh, we went inside and she had a zoo. She had a dog, three cats, a ferret. I think that's it. And I was not, and she had a black cat, so then I was getting sad because I'm like, well, this isn't what I needed to see. But, um, she had uh, and when i came in uh the dark knight was playing on the tv to keep the uh pets at home and i'm like this girl's okay you know cuz she likes that kind of stuff and and then we uh you know we kissed a little bit which was nice cuz i felt like i deserved it um you know we were pretty wasted but i felt like i deserved the uh the little makeout session which was very nice on a day where you know you're having a bad day and that was uh very nice and then i drove to my sister's house and uh, we went out for breakfast, where I uh, sat and cried at the goddamn restaurant for a half hour, which was horrible. Uh, still not having gone to bed, and then, uh, and then I guess I stayed over that night, and we got some pizza, and then, and then uh, my niece Liza and her friend came over, and we were talking, and that actually that cheered me up a little bit because there was like activity and people. I was glad I wasn't at home. And then I went to work that Monday, and I unfortunately had to come home that Monday night to all the stuff. And I pretty much, and then, you know, then the next day was the show. I guess I took off the whole day, which was crazy because, you know, I just didn't want to be in the house. Being in the house reminds me of her, but I had to plan the show. So I planned the show, and the day before, Monday night, Kevin Brennan cancels because he is a jackass. Um, He's a jackass. He cancels because I put Artie on the show. My friend Artie wanted to do the show. He said, I'll do it. I'm like, that'll be great because uh, someone else guys Yeah, so he canceled the show. But I'm not angry because Kevin is a jackass. That's on me. I know Kevin is a jackass. So, well, first of all, as you know, it was his idea to host the show. I'll never be mad at Kevin because I said, that's a great idea, Kevin. I can't get mad at Kevin. Kevin is the way he is. Kevin Brennan is an idiot. And he's crazy. And if you ask him to do something, that's on you, buddy. That's on you. If you ask Kevin Brennan, you might get burned because he's crazy. So that was on me. I didn't even get mad at him. I mean, I haven't talked to him since because it was pretty kind of uncool that he canceled at the very last minute hosting the gig. He was so upset that Artie was on it. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? I'm not doing the show now that Artie's on it already, but, you know, uh, but he's crazy. So that's on me. So the next day, Sherrod cancels because he had a party the night before, and he's like, I don't know whether I'll recover. And I'm like, you know what? Just forget it, dummy. You know, I'd never even had him on the show before. And again, I'm like, you know, that's on me. I asked Sherrod to do the show. He's unreliable as well. He, he's a different kind of crazy than Kevin, but he's unreliable. This is all on me. If I asked somebody, and then I asked Mike Fecchiona to do the show, thank God, and he's a professional. Now, if I had asked Mike Fecchiona to do the show at the very beginning and he canceled, I'd be like, God, what a douchebag. Of course, if he canceled because he had something legitimate to do, like Rachel did, Rachel canceled because she had a movie. Amy asked her to be in a movie. So what was that going to do, right? That's a good excuse. But Kevin canceling because he doesn't like the lineup, and he doesn't want to, like, in- all of a sudden he's decided he doesn't want to introduce people. Can you fucking imagine being an almost 60-year-old man and just canceling for that reason? Or Sherrod just canceling because he's sleepy? That's a douche move. But again, I can't be angry. I have to only be angry at myself For, you know, uh, asking unreliable people to do it. In turn, asking Artie to do it, who's unreliable, but I wanted Artie to be there. And we talked about it the night before, and he said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And I said, if you want to do a spot, it'll be great. And so here's what happened. Uh, So then I decide, you know what? I'm running out of time because I have limited time because there's a show that's coming in after. And, you know, I got the legendary Wid, the prop comic, right? So what i decided to do i ca- came up with this brilliant idea i didn't have neil brennan's number that was my plan i was going to guess at neil to do a spot which would have you know really crushed kevin which was hilarious and he was there that night so i could have so the next night i actually got neil's number for next time i said i gotta have your number he goes yeah let me give it to you because uh, you know he's more than happy to do anything that's going to make kevin look foolish which would be car- uh, classic but um then, and it's so funny. People are like, oh, he's screaming at you on the podcast and whatever. And I'm like, I don't. He's crazy. You know, I don't care. I'll don't. i still do his podcast. I'll still be friends with him forever. He's acting like Kevin. What is this? A big surprise? Who gives this shit? You know, the guy's crazy and we love him for it. Right. He's insane. Um, so so I decide, you know what I said I'm going to do? I'm going to be at the table and I'm going to have the wireless mic. I'll just host the show from the table. I'm sitting at with the models. I'll just do it that way, and there's a fun show, and that's exactly what I did, and it turned out to be a great idea, something so great that I think I'm going to try and do a show every couple months. Now, first of all, the show was sold out. I told everybody, like, yeah, don't worry making a reservation. It's gonna, it's not going to get sold. It's a fucking prop comic. It's not going to get sold out. It got sold out. I couldn't believe it. My sister almost couldn't get in. All my friends were very angry at me. They had to be on the waiting list. I had no idea. People came from Jersey. I felt horrible. But it never occurred to me that it would sell out. And to this day, I can't figure out how it sold out. Uh, I guess it's half the people that I know that wanted to come to the birthday show that usually come every year. But I guess the other half is like people just want to go to whatever's at the Comedy Cellar. They see the lineup, and it's only five bucks. And I guess that made the difference. It's the only thing I can think of. It's quite fascinating. So so yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Um, So I had the models. I had my friend Sophia, as you know, who's beautiful her friend Esmeralda and they were dressed perfectly and they look great but Ashley our friend Ashley completely fucked me first of all she was late I don't I don't she must have just not understood the concept she was supposed to bring her friend Ola who's ridiculously hot and they were all supposed to dress in little mini skirts and sit at my table so it was me and four models you know techno or whatever like really hot girls and Ashley's friend didn't come and she came late I was holding the show for her And she just didn't understand, and she sat, and she pretty much cried the entire time because then the other girls were mean to her because I was yelling at her. I'm like, do you know why I'm upset with you? Because she kind of ruined the whole thing. As it turned out, Tom Shalhoub had come, and he said, Tom, why don't you sit at the table? So I just kept saying to people, here, I'm sitting at the table with three models and Tom Shalhoub. And it was great having him there. He's so funny, and it's so great to see him, and he made me feel really comfortable. I love Tom, and he was great. So that was so it turned out to be super fun, except the fact that Ashley just had a puss on her face the entire time because she was really upset. And I haven't talked to her since I've been trying to call her, but I don't think she wants to talk to me. But I'm upset with her, too. But I can't be that upset. I guess she didn't understand how integral she was to the show. I really thought I tried to explain it correctly, but I don't know. And you know what? The funny thing is, I'm not blaming it on her age. I'm just blaming it on the person because Sophia is actually younger than her and she got it immediately. But of course, she's in show business so that's the whole thing. Anyway, uh, that happened. Then I decided I'm going to go around and say I don't know. That day I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna sing the greatest love of all and do the scene from um, uh, Coming to America and be like, "Save my bad sexual talking." I don't think anybody understood that. Then I had that uh, black guy who looks like Sammy Davis Jr. open the show with the Y Five O song. Nobody understood that. And then thank God Mike Vecchio came on and kind of single handedly saved the show from it becoming a, a disaster uh and he was great and then after him who came up um who came up after him uh it was mike who am i missing who am i missing uh not a tell it was uh i don't remember i don't i, I oh my god i, I don't remember i didn't re- was it a tell no wasn't it wasn't it you know what i think it was a tell and and he came up and he read from the birthday book just to be a dick it was like horribly unfunny uh it was a dick move. He did it on purpose, but still, nobody cares. And then, and then we introduced Artie, and he wasn't there. Because I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't producing the show. I asked this guy to do it, and nobody gave me any indication that he wasn't there. We introduced him, and he never showed up. And I'm like, well, he's not here. And I'm like, Tom, would you do a couple of minutes? And he's like, no, I can't go on. And we talked to the mic for a little bit. I'm like, is there anybody here that is there another comic in the room? That would like to take the stage right now. It was like it was like horrible. It was like put me in a really awkward position. I think people thought it was funny, but that is when my stomach—I started to have diarrhea. Like I was getting really panicky. And through the light by the staircase in the light, I could see Russ Meneve. saying, I'm like, Russ, you gotta hook me up. Please go on stage do a couple minutes. And he killed it. He killed it. He actually, truly. Single-handedly saved the show. He killed it. He was amazing. And then he went off, and the legendary Wid came on, and people were half and half on him. Some people just did not get it, and they hated him. And the other people thought he was amazing, just as, you know, I thought. There was a guy sitting next to me. I don't know who he was. I guess he, he's either a fan or he knew. He goes, Dave, I love you, but this is horrible. you got to stop this. And I was like, shut up. Shut up. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know who the guy was. I guess I guess people just didn't understand. The WID has, you know, 30 bins full of props, and every time he would get more and do it, I don't understand why people didn't enjoy it. My friend Caitlin at the office hated it, but her husband thought it was the greatest thing, and we can't wait to watch him again do it whenever he was. Um. Anyway, I could tell after 20 minutes he was finished, even though he bought an hour's worth of props. You could tell he was just slowing up. So everybody kept telling me, Artie's here now, Artie's here now. I'm like, I don't care if Artie's here now. The WID is supposed to end the show. But then when I realized the WID was having a problem, I was like, oh, tell somebody to get Artie and put him on. So Artie went on after him and then was covered in the stage of props and kept trying to do bits with the props. So then I felt bad that the WID might feel bad But the WID thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened to him, that Artie Lang was trying to uh, do bits with his own problems and come up with jokes for it, and it killed, and it closed the show, and it was perfect, and then we ended, and I think everybody had a really great night. And then watching the WID clean up was amazing. That was supposed to be part of the show, but we all had to leave. But after I talked to the WID after, he said he had a great time. He was so happy to be in New York. He was taking pictures under the Comedy Cellar sign. I guess nobody had ever asked him to do it. The uh, uh, the people that run the uh, Comedy Cellar radio show, they asked him to come on the show. They want to talk to him, which is he's so excited. He was so grateful. Uh, I was happy for him, and I think everybody was happy. Then we went to the bar upstairs, and we hung out, and that's when I started drinking. And we're having a great night. There was a couple people from my office. Then Artie and Dave came by to say hello. You know, they you know they don't like to come to bars, which I totally get, but they were nice enough. We were just at the Pussycat uh, upstairs, and it was drinking with everybody. We were having a really good time. And then everybody petered out because it's a Tuesday, but, you know, John Vitti stays all the time from the Boston Globe, and my friends Alan and Lee. And we went up to the VIP room upstairs and just had a couple drinks and did some drugs, whatever. And then Dave Chappelle came up and um, came. And he's like, oh, I just wanted to wish you happy birthday. They told me you were up here, man. And uh, that was really great, actually, really great. And he was downstairs partying, and we're like, we should combine the parties, um, but we didn't. And but it was so cool that he came up, and you know, after two a.m. And I told everybody, they're like, no, he didn't. And I'm like, no, I swear to you, he came up to wish me a happy birthday, uh, you know, which was amazing. My friends were just like, what? Um, it, it was really great, and uh, so that it turned out to be like a really, really terrific night. I got home at five in the morning. Um, I think I had to walk. Cause I just I was like a mess. I don't think I city bike. No, I I took my jacket off and then I think I finally took a cab at the end maybe. But um, yeah, it was a great night. And then I went to work the next morning. And then uh, after that, uh, you know, every night when I got home, pretty much grieving, uh, just coming home, watching TV, staring at the TV, trying not to know when I come in. Selena's not there when I wake when I go to bed it was it was it was it was tough and I just sat there like the bowl was still our bowl still there, a little box still there and then on Saturday uh, I was an absolute mess it was the w- week anniversary and I was a complete mess and I never left the house because I spent the whole day because that's we used to spend the day together when I was home I never left the house it was horrible and then on Sunday was my actual birthday Maybe the worst birthday I ever had. I had Nobody was around. I couldn't make any dinner plans with anybody. I mean, that's all I was asking for, is somebody take me out for dinner. Not even take me out. I would pay for anybody. Just some company. On my actual birthday for dinner, no one was around. It's the middle of the summer on a Sunday. No one was around. Irene Bremis was kind enough to take me to brunch, but that was it. And I was supposed to hang out with some... I, I don't know what happened, but I was real upset. I mean, I needed... To go out on my birthday this year And no one was around And then it just got worse Monday I went to work I went to work early I came home totally upset again And then Tuesday I decided You know what I was hanging around I was like I'm going to take the day off I'm going to take the day off And I'm going to clean up I'm going to clean up I'd been wallowing in filth I'm going to clean up I got rid of all the cat stuff Bought it down to the doggy daycare place so somebody else could use it and and clean the house of it. Went through my closets, cleaned out. I got like three huge construction bags of clothing. I'm just, you know, going to put in Goodwill or whatever and shoes. I cleaned out all my closets. I cleaned the place because the cleaning lady's on vacation. I did my laundry. I did what I needed to do to move on that day. Tuesday was probably the best reason for taking off uh, ever in a long time. It was a smart move. I'm glad I did it. And then after that day, I was able to move on a little bit. Each day got a little better. Uh, you know, still again on Sa- this past Saturday, this is Sunday, uh, had a little rough time again. It's just very, you know, the, the Saturdays and Sundays when we would spend all day together, uh, it gets a little more depressing when, you know, during the weekdays, I'm just getting up and going to work and then that's it. Um, but, you know, Whatever. I'm going to move on. And then I just got a text from, you know, the girl from downstairs and she really wants me to adopt this dog. But I told my sister, I was like, you know, I don't mind maybe getting another pet soon or even now. It doesn't matter. But I should work on getting a human companion. You know, wouldn't that be a smarter idea? Because then isn't a dog or a cat kind of an excuse to just not meet somebody and get married and have a family? So maybe maybe that's something I should think about. Just think about at least for a while, maybe it's too, song to get a, as too soon to get a, a dog, I'm thinking about a dog, which is insane, because my hours are weird, they don't have to be weird, but they are weird, and now there's also a freedom, like I can go away, I'm th- we're going to California, me and Vanessa are going to California in a couple of weeks, and now I don't have to worry about where I'm going to put the cat or whatever, I can go away, I can, I, I, I think the reason that the house was such a mess, I can actually leave stuff around that I know she's not going to tear or bite or whatever, and. You know, there is there is some form of that that you have to think about. I can I I was able to sleep later now. Now I can sleep until like 10 or 11 because, you know, she's not like meowing nonstop. I I can get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She's not going to bother me. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like there are some good things, but all those things are also, you know, now when I hear noises in the middle of the night, I get nervous because she's not it's not her. So what the hell is it? You know, like a. So I'm back to like panicking again because it used to be I'm like, oh, well, she's probably rummaging around through something. But I don't know. I'm just trying to get through it and uh, I'm getting better every day, I guess. But I miss her a lot. Uh, So last night um, I opened for Artie in Fairfield, Connecticut, another job I did not want to do because I was just I could not put a set together. I could not get it together. I couldn't. You know, I usually go through it in my house. I just wasn't feeling funny. I wasn't putting it together. I was really having a difficult time. So fortunately, a couple days early on th- Tuesday, I think, Artie said, hey, do you mind if Russ comes up with us and does some time? Uh, I can pay him out of my thing. I'm like, hey, I don't care who pays what, whatever. Uh, he can have my money. That would be perfect if I can just host and he does all my time. That will be great because I I, I'm sure I can put together five minutes. So that made me feel better that I didn't need to do 15 minutes. Meanwhile, when we got there yesterday, there were like three other people on the show. So all I had to do was like seven minutes. It was perfect. And I decided, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm only just going to do stuff that makes me happy. I'm just going to do imitations from the movies like I do on the podcast. So you know what I did? I got up there. I talked about the McGregor, the McGregor Mayweather fight, and I just did the scene from Rocky II that we've been playing, you know, just going like, uh, I'm going to get some hats. And I'm going to get Adrian, like a gallon of perfume it looks like to smoke good. And Like I was comparing it to the way they trash talk. They're like, you're a fucking faggot. I'm going to get a dildo and stick it up your mother's ass. And then like the trash talking in Rocky's room. Rocky, what are you going to do with all that? Right. He goes, Conor McGregor, what are you going to do with all that money? I'm going to get a dildo and shove it up Mayweather's mother's ass. And like, Rocky, what are you going to do with money? Uh, Well, I'm going to get some hats and then uh, like a gallon of perfume. And then I'm going to get my kid what. Was that Muppet the Frog? with oh yeah, Kermit? You know, and I, I'm going to get pulled in that snow coming. machine. Well, the 7 o'clock show worked like a charm. 9 o'clock, not so much. I mean, people were dying. It was great. And then I decided I'm going to just do Demone from Fast Times. I'm like, fuck this. You know that's like my favorite imitation to do. So what I did was I worked it into this girl that had fell off. Remember when I told you the girl fell off the balcony who used my neighbor? I asked her out, and she was like, I'd rather die, and then she died. <laughs> and she uh, fell off the balcony, and I was t- saying how she was on a date, and she fell off the balcony, and then the newspaper it said that the kid was like, oh, my God, it was like, like he was devastated. It was hard. And I'm like, they, they didn't blame that kid for a minute, but if I went down, I would have done the Damone thing, and then they probably would have put me in jail. They're like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I mean, I was minding my own business. All of a sudden, I turned around. She fell off. Yeah, it's crazy. We were just having a good time drinking some iced tea. People were dying. At least the 7 o'clock show, they loved it. And um, 9 o'clock show, they were tepid, you know, but they still liked it. And I was like, listen, officer, I don't mind telling you this is a very aggressive girl. <laughs> I was just doing all the lines. And then and then I was talking about this guy should be president of the United States because, you know, he's got such a soothing, calming personality. If the Charlottesville happened, he just goes... Listen, this is crazy. When I woke up in such a great mood this morning, what happened? Can we? You know what everybody needs to do is listen to Cheap Trick. That's the answer. The magic of Rick Nielsen is going to make us get along. That's the scene I played up front from Manhattan, which we played up front before. Can't stop thinking about it from Manhattan. He goes. You know, I think we should get some, you know, I heard the Nazis are marching on, uh, you know, whatever. I think we should get some bricks and baseball bats and, like, really teach them a lesson. I read a great satirical piece on the Nazis um, a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know, satirical piece is wonderful, but uh, bricks and baseball bats are definitely better against Nazis. It's so funny. Uh, that's from 1979. So uh, this isn't new, what happened in Charlottesville, Apparently, you know, not, let alone, uh, we know, from the Blues Brothers. They have a Nazi march in California, in um, Chicago. I hate Illinois Nazis. But um So it's not new, but it, it when the protesters come by with actual Bricks and baseball bats, I like I I I think Woody Allen was thinking of actual Nazis. He even says the shiny what are you gonna do against shiny boots? These are just uneducated ruffians. So I guess they would on un- only you probably bricks and baseball bats probably aren't the way to go because they're They're crazy. Um, I think you have to be more intelligent in the way you approach the situation. It's a bad situation. The president's crazy. Hey, there were fine people on both sides. Hey, you know, they are fine people on both sides. Now I'm doing Seinfeld doing it. I mean, there are some, you know, everybody's blaming this. Not all the Nazis aren't bad. There are a lot of them that really didn't want to put people in the gas chamber, but they, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What are they going to be an outcast? I don't know what's with the president. I uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, you know I'm a, kind of a supporter of Trump, but that, that this is a tough one. I I kind of know what he's saying because, again, you know, we have the same mentality. Oh, here's the other thing I wanted to tell you, and this is interesting. I met this ridiculously hot girl at the Doggy Daycare Center on that Tuesday when I was cleaning up. And she's really pretty. And then I found out that she was running for district council. So I stalked, I mean, emailed her. (laughs) And uh, she wrote back. And I wanted to talk to her because, you know, I've been talking about running for Manhattan Borough President for a while. And she's going to get me started with it. Because that's something I think I need to do to truly be hilarious. There's not going to be anything funnier than me being the Manhattan borough president. And then after finishing my term, people are going to be like, are you going to run for mayor? I mean, what is going to be funnier for you guys and me who know me and this podcast than me being mayor of New York City? Nothing. Nothing will be funnier than that. It, but the the problem is that Donald Trump has kind of ruined it because now they have a a, a maverick, crazy outsider running the white on people, I think they're going to be like, I don't know. We fell for this once before, <laughs> but I don't know. But uh, mayor, uh, I, I don't think that's for me. That's too risky. Uh, you need somebody very smart. But Manhattan president, nobody, you know, when I ask people, I'm like, oh, do you know who the Manhattan president is? They're like, wait, that's a thing? Who is it? I'm like, it's Gail Brewer. Nobody knows who it is. So why can't I win that? And nobody knows what they do. I'm sure I can go keep my regular job. Now, how funny is it going to be? When I'm at my regular job and I got to get my boss's coffee, well, geez, I got to meet with the mayor in 20 minutes. Well, I need my coffee. Okay, I'll tell the mayor I'll be late. Um, I mean, how funny is that going to be when I'm changing the copier, when I'm changing the toner cartridge and the copier, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've got to meet the other borough presidents in 20 minutes. (laughs) Everything's always going to have to be in 20 minutes. I'm going to have to wear a jacket and tie it, sit at my secretary's desk. uh. (laughs) I mean, come on, folks. I mean, technically, if I'm going to do it, we should definitely document it. We got to make a documentary, right? I mean, this is the most obvious thing in the whole world. I'm going to do it. That's some interesting news, actually, uh, with Vanessa. We're going to go out to California. We're going to maybe have a couple meetings. Well, she, I know she got one. I don't know where her story is, you know, as far as management goes. But for now, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think we're going to try and do a couple podcasts out there. Now, maybe that... Is where we can bring our friend Robbie Rist in, since he's out there. That would be amazing. And guess what I thought of the other day? I wrote myself a letter, and I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to try. You know, I'm going to try and get. You know, I'm out there. There's like a just a rich crop of people I can get on the podcast. And I couldn't think of anybody I really wanted. The only person I came up with for some reason was Todd Glass. I don't know why. Just because I like him. I was going to ask Sarah who I could uh, get on the show. I could. I can get somebody really great. You know. Um, But you know who I was thinking. Amy Heckerling, we've talked about it before. I think she lives out there. Wouldn't she be something else? Because we're going to be in a studio, like a really good studio, so we'll be professional. Amy Heckerling, the director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High and the greatest movie ever made, Clueless. The writer, and oh no, Cameron Crowe wrote Fast Times, but she wrote Clueless. Uh, the director, of, unfortunately, look who's talking all this stuff. But that's a great sit down, huh? That's a good get for us, for you and me, who love stuff. Uh, at the show last night, of our which was a blast. This place, the Fairfield Comedy Club. Go figure, a hundred seats, people just staring. Um, Amelia, who run, you know, is the owner of the room of the New York Comedy Club. His wife, Ankara, who's one of the Gone Girls, you know, from the podcast, who's just so delightful. I know the podcast wasn't the best one ever, but she is a delight in person, and. She was just uh she was just so much fun to hang out with yesterday. I had a point to the story. What was it? It was about Ankara, but what I can't remember now. Oh crap, I can't I can't get my thoughts together. I just uh, I was just thinking of her and we were just talking. What was it? Don't remember. Doesn't matter. Anyway, uh we're at the show last night, we're having a good time. It's a really nice place. Oh, I know what she said. She said the best part about this room, it's bring your own booze. It's BYOB. They don't have a liquor license because it's technically in the lobby of a hotel. Uh, but she said the reason why it's so effective and why the crowd is so different. Artie got a standing ovation. He was thrilled where he was giving the place a lot of shit. He's like, ah, Jessica, I'm doing your favor. Uh, you know, it wasn't a favor to me. I, the club owner asked, could you ask Artie if he wants to do it? I said, do you want to do it? And he goes, sure, if they pay me, whatever. Um, and... He had a great time. They gave him a standing ovation when he got up. He had a great time. He goes, it's a real confidence booster. I know he had a good time. I think anybody would have a good time at that place. It is a confidence booster. It was a confidence booster to me. I'm in a good day today because I had a good day last night, even with my crappy imitations, um, you know, from the 70s. So she said the reason why it's so good is there's no waitresses. There's no interruptions. They are facing the stage Having a drink in their hands, not worrying about anything, and watching a great show, and a great guy like Artie Lang performing or or even Mark Norman or Bonnie McFarlane, I mean, they' they're just having the time of their lives there. Get sold out every night, every Saturday. Uh, fascinating, fascinating thing. Anyway, one of our listeners, Gabriel Noel, Noel, who's in a Re hotel, uh, came last night. I got to meet him, and uh, we had a lovely time together. He uh, bought a picture for, to give to Artie, but Artie was MIA, you know, until he went on and then immediately just left. You know, he's got to leave when he's got to leave because, you know, you don't want him doing any, anything mischievous, so he just went right home. Uh, and it was, Gabriel, great hanging out. He came all the way from, he's like four hours out of, out of Toronto, and he came all the way to see Artie and me, and we hung out after. We went to a bar after with a couple of the other people. Had a great time. It was so funny hanging out with somebody who, listens to the podcast all the time because they're probably, you know, it's like I was thinking to myself, I'm like, geez, I, I wonder if he is like, I'm just talking the way I do in the podcast now. Or we're having a good time. We're just, you know, telling stories, whatever. I'm like, he's heard all these stories before. <laughs> oh, I wonder if I sound like an asshole because he knows everything. But it was also great that he knows everything because then everything was completely, you know, like he was on point with everything. And then I sang Big John, Little John to our gar- I was explaining it to them and I actually sang it. And then played the, the thing. He's like, this I was thinking he must be like, um he must be like, that's all he ever talks about. He even talks about that outside the podcast. That's a little weird. That's a little weird. But uh no, we had a we had a great time. We had a couple of beers and uh had a really terrific time and then um you know, I had to go like an hour back and I uh I tell me and Artie had plans to meet for dinner for my birthday dinner, whatever it was. Uh so when I got back to the city, I went down to the cellar actually and uh, met up with uh, and already came back from Hoboken just to come into the city and have dinner. We went to the diner. We picked up Jeff Ross and the four of us went to the diner and we just had a you know great time. And, you know, the funny things that were said just in the cab alone, I wish I could remember them. I wish I was just better at remembering stuff. I can't remember. But God damn, those guys are funny and they just make me laugh out loud. And it was a great time. Uh, I think. Jeff, but it looked so sad you know I think Jeff put it on Instagram it's just like we just look like <laughs> like Artie's like yeah uh, this is uh, this is these are all his friends you know whatever like it was just four of us but it was really fun uh, and I was in a good mood because you know I had a good night and it was super fun and I love drinking after the show you know when it's done and I couldn't wait for today I couldn't wait for it to be over uh, it was something I didn't want to do on the sense because you know I was having so much trouble but uh, you know, I think it went well. It was a good time, and uh, I don't know. That was the thing. Um, our good friend Steve Carelli who is, uh, is is wonderful about the show. Is coming to town next week, and I was saying, Steve, you know, I just haven't been in the mood to go out, and that's the only reason. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to meet up. I just have. I really haven't. I've tried not to go out. I, I've been so depressed. Like I want to go out, but I, I don't know. I'm in a weird place. Um. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. like. Uh, Phil Hanley and Sam Morell asked me to do their show on Monday. I've been trying to actually change my hours at work. You know, I don't work until two o'clock on Mondays and Tuesdays. I actually want to work earlier because I've been very lonely and sad at work when everybody's gone. And I was going to change my hours Monday to do their podcast. It was perfect. They're like, we're doing it at seven o'clock. But I actually have to cover for a guy this weekend. So it's so embarrassing. They're like asking me to do this podcast, which I love doing. And I'm like, no, I got to cover for a guy at work. Um, so there's no way out of that. Uh, also, uh, put together Grease pretty much, I guess it's pretty much cast. I think Jeff Ross now, Bobby Boynehan was going to play the Teen Angel singing Beauty School Dropout, but he cannot do it, or he can't really commit because he's working on the Muppet movie, a new Muppet movie. So I think Jeff Ross is going to be around, and I think he wants to do it. I'll let him play the teenager. Angel. will be terrific, right? Uh, I told you Judy Gold playing Rizzo. I think I'm going to have Matteo play Frenchie and Sonny. Rachel playing Marty and Cha-Cha de Gregorio. Um, I think that Russ Monique playing Kanicki. I think that's pretty much the cast. Bethel, Karen playing Sandy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's finished written. I think I got to cut a little bit more. It's around 80 pages right now. That's kind of long with the songs, but I read it on Friday night. I said I was feeling a little better. I read the whole thing through. It was about an hour and a half, so that's kinda normal. um I don't know, you know, maybe it should be like an hour twenty that's probably best uh you know, cutting the songs down a little bit just so we can get into them i i, I think it'll be super fun. I think it'll be fun I, It's all coming together. it's good um I'm not nervous about it. uh, I probably just need to cut a couple of things i just i don't you know i I like to hit the points that everybody's expecting. I don't like to leave those out. Uh, with The Godfather, you know, you had to be very thorough. But with Grease, I don't think I need to be. So I'm trying to still cut out another 20. I've already cut out 10 pages. I'm trying to cut out – it was like 100 pages. Uh, I'm just trying to cut out the fat so that nobody gets bored. And then today I was thinking of Love Actually, and I'm like, you know, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. I don't know how I'm going to work that one out actually. You know, I'm, I'm having a little difficulty with that one. That's going to be tough. But I want to do a Christmas one. You know, you want to do a Christmas show and have a good – one Christmas cheer and all that stuff. I don't. I, we already did a Christmas carol, so I don't want to do it again. So if you think of any other movies, I could uh, do something else Christmas Eve. But I can't think of anything right now. So maybe we'll try this one. And Like I said, it's an experiment. The grease one, I'm positive will work, even though that's an experiment as well. But I'm not worried. I think I, I, I've written a good script. Um, and then you know, we'll start Goodfellas again. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking. That's going to be an interesting one, too. It'll be easy, but there's also a voiceover in it. So how do you have the narration if there's already a narrator? I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And we got we got to do these shows, right? Because they're super fun. They're every three months. And I think people like them, and it keeps me involved at the seller, and that's really the most important thing, right? Uh, is that all I had to say? So we were caught up with everything? I, I think it was. Oh, how weird is it that I was listening to Howard Stern on Monday, and he put down his cat. It's like, we're so, it's so, that was horrible. I was like, this is all I, I, like, I can't wait for Howard to come on Mondays at 7 to cheer me up. And then I find out he puts down his cat, and he's got this sad story to tell. Boy, that is bad luck. And that's what I seem like I have is just bad luck, you know, like, I don't know. I don't want to get into it anymore. We're having a a good time. Hey, we're having a good time. What happened? What happened here? Like I said, I didn't have anything really prepared uh, you know, I usually have like a you know a list of stuff that I'm going to talk about, but I, I just like let's just do the podcast. Um, there, there were a couple of articles I'd been saving. maybe it'll remind me if there was something else I had to tell you. I don't think there was. I told you about the day, I told you about the party. yeah, um, there's an article about you know, I'm very excited about football season starting, obviously. It's funny, you know I can't do the Monday Night Wings. Uh, until October I can't go on the 11th because it's the night before the show and I can't drink because it'll mess up my voice which my voice is going to mess up anyway which pisses me off to no end that the stress level uh, affects my voice Um, the week after is the Giants Monday night game which I'm definitely going to go to that tailgate and then hopefully egg that lady's house the weekend after that I think I'm going to be in LA so I'm going to watch Monday Night Football at uh, 5.30, which I'm extremely excited about, I like doing that once a year. And then the next weekend, well, I think the next weekend's October. And if it's not, then the end of September, it's so weird. Three weeks in a row, I'm not going to be able to get wings. What? But it's a 59 um, percent. This is an article. The rate of Americans who prefer to watch sporting events on TV rather than to be there live. That's why I say all the time. I go to the tailgate and I go home and watch on TV. 59%. So they say half the people aren't going to the events anymore because they say millennials are least likely to feel this way with only – oh, so millennials are actually going. I guess that's the thing. When you get old – I thought it was actually with only 46% preferring the sofa while Americans 35 and over are more likely to stay at home. That's 65%. Uh – Hockey does the best job of pleasing its fans with a satisfaction score of 89%. 39% of hockey fans say they'd rather be there. Uh, that's so true. I've said that 100 times. Hockey stinks watching on TV unless it's the playoffs, but live, it's a really good sport. It's a really fun, good, indoorsy sport uh, to watch live. Football is a horrible sport to watch live. Absolutely horrible. You are not getting the same feeling you get when watching on TV when you're there except that you're fa- there with other fans so you get to celebrate but it's horrible you're just not in the moment and when it's on TV there's something way more exciting here in the crowd war when it's in the when you're watching it live it's weird they're just like on this grass and they're just sitting. it's the most boring game you've ever seen unless you're watching one of the big plays happen then it's exciting cuz you can see it before the TV sees it you can see when a guy is down the field completely wide open and get excited so that is good but when does that happen not very often you know um you know it's almost like scoring a goal in hockey it it doesn't happen that often in a game but it is exciting when it happens otherwise you know you're just really better off watching it on tv it's a it's a better time um what was he oh oh yeah uh I ripped out this stuff uh, even when I was like sad. like The first week, I didn't do anything, but I was sad. I was like, well, this will be good if I ever do a podcast again. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and it says, this is what it says in the paper, who normally has a thing for blonde models under 25, who we've been talking about nonstop, has been spotted spending more time with a 23-year-old brunette model. Remember, we've been talking about that, that he never changes it up. Like, if you could get any girl you want to in this life, wouldn't you change it up? Wouldn't you do different kinds of women? Why would you always do blondes? Um, He finally is taking my advice. He must have listened to the podcast and said, yeah, he's right. Why don't I try a blue net once in a while? Because why would you you never want to try it? Why would you want to try it? You're not marrying anybody. You just keep dating. How do you just, I mean, it's really, I mean, listen, I like blondes too. Those are my type. It's very clear. I got a thing for blondes. But, you know, I also like dating, well, anybody. (laughs) But I'm just saying you want to try different things. So I'm glad he's doing that. Also, they're talking about Cynthia Nixon. Uh, This is so, you know, running for mayor, uh, for governor. I'm sorry, for governor of New York. Uh, Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City. You remember Miranda from Sex and the City, who's now much uh, actually hotter uh, for some reason. She's talking about running for governor in 2018. You know something? I'll vote for her because I can't stand our governor and I hated his dad, too. I don't, I've don't. i got a problem with the whole Cuomo's uh, liberal groups who don't think Cuomo tilts far enough left are behind the effort. And Nixon's pals say she's considering a bid. I think her only problem is, you know, she's uh, a lesbian now, is that she's married to somebody who is just totally gross, <laughs> who looks like Chaz Bono. I think if she was married to a hot girl, she'd probably win. Uh, yeah, I'm being completely, you know, sexist, but uh, I, I don't care. But her wife actually works for the city department of education as an advisor. So uh, interesting. I would vote for her. I, she'd probably be really good. She's obviously very smart. I mean, if you can make it in show business as a child actor and then still make it in show business and then get out when it's time and then do the I you know, I'm in. And then of course, as you know, we'd be working very closely together when I become Manhattan Borough President. Heyo, Hello. Oh, you know, the eclipse is tomorrow. It'll already be happening, I think, when this comes out. Unless I put this out tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to watch I guess I'm going to be walking to work at that time. I guess it's just going to be dark. There's nowhere to watch. I can't get those glasses. Uh, Here's the other thing. Groundhog Day is closing, ladies and gentlemen. For all you uh, Broadway listeners, you know, uh, I've just been on this guy, Michael Riedel, Riedel, uh, whatever uh, you pronounce his name, from the New York Post, who is just so sucking Andy Carl's dick from Groundhog Day he still won't admit Groundhog Day, the musical, sucks. And, you know, it's just driving me crazy. He wouldn't admit that Andy... Andy Carl is a, is a fine actor and very good in the show. But this guy will not let up that... Uh, Groundhog Day! Groundhog Day! Because he must be friends with Andy Carl. It's the only explanation. This guy won't stop sucking his dick. And, uh, but the story is that Bill Murray actually popped up at Groundhog Day last week. Bill Murray triggering some fun publicity and boosting some ticket sales, but uh, a little too late. It's going to close September 17th after 176 performances because it stinks, as I told you, as I played some of the songs for you. Uh, that, and of course, the great comment of 1812, once Josh Groban left. So all that stuff is closing. Uh, we'll be talking about Dear Evan Hansen. When Ben Platt leaves in November, would it close? But I don't think it will because ticket sales are still going through. I guess we'll see. I don't know how it stays afloat with somebody else but uh we'll see but he goes the show had a star making performance by andy carl it's like it, it's just so this guy just won't let it up but but then he finally says but that was before and they're supposed to after groundhog day opened a rave reviews last year in london became the odds-on favorite to sweep the 2017 tony awards and he says i wrote a column a year headline broadway producers are terrified of groundhog day but that was before Dear Evan Hansen opened in the fall to rave reviews and tremendous word of mouth. You're welcome. Leading man Ben Platt became a sensation. By the time Groundhog Day began previews in March, Evan Hansen had amassed a $40 million advance. And technical glitches played Groundhog Day at the start. Such as malfunctioned as eclipsing the story the producers wanted to get out about Carl's terrific performance. Um, so, so classic. Uh, dear, so they made this, you know, lavish musical with uh, special effects and people and costing all this money. And Dear Evan actually probably cost like 80 bucks a night to run. And it just runs on the performance alone of one gay man. I mean, uh, <clears throat> one man. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, something I we were talking about. It. I wonder if this guy will ever work after. I don't know how he will. He does come off as very gay. It doesn't matter in the play. He works it perfectly, but I'm not sure if he could ever be, you know, like a movie star or anything like that. You know, I think this might be, you know, this is his thing. Um, then we say uh, there was one other thing about the football. The promise of beer, barbecue and bourbon is 27 percent of Americans tailgating at colleges for hours before football games. Seventy seven percent say they drink alcohol at these events and 21 percent tailgate sober. Those people are losers. About a third of Americans say they drink alcohol every time they attend a tailgate in regards to tailgating behavior. And one in three say that at least one occasion they didn't make it to the game after a tailgate. One in three. Again, you're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. That uh, They must have been talking about your pal, Dave Jaskow. How you doing, everybody? Hey, how are you? Um, yeah, so... Uh, those are some of the uh, articles I'd been waiting to talk about uh when we last left. Now, um I guess that's all I have to say. I don't think I'm missing anything that I needed to tell you guys. Uh obviously, you know, I feel much better I was able to tell you the story. Uh so it's okay. So I guess uh well, I guess there's no re- I you know, I guess we'll we'll is next week isn't Labor Day, right? So we'll probably come back next week. Uh maybe we will take a break since we took two. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. Otherwise we'll definitely, you know, once we hit September, we'll definitely on full on until uh Christmas. Uh when I you know, when I, I'll be going to LA, but I'll be making some podcasts there, so if we miss a week, uh I will make it up in full. And uh, again, I apologize for having to take some time alone. But um I hope everybody had a, a, a wonderful time today i hope i did it i hope it didn't depress anybody or whatever but you know i gotta gotta tell you the story and everything and i don't know i guess that's it i uh the end of the summer has been absolutely beautiful here in, in manhattan and you know as the manhattan borough president i don't mind telling you this is a great city even though i want to leave but don't tell anybody i said that if i end up running uh that's probably not a good thing to tell anybody I'm really just trying. To, I think I'm stalling. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but I think we got through everything. So I'm sure I'll remember as soon as I sign off. But just um, everybody, thanks a lot for uh, your well wishes on, on, on Twitter about everything and my cat. And I will uh, obviously keep you posted with everything. Greece on September 12th. Uh, love actually on December 19th so far. And uh, there'll be stuff in between, which I will um, tell you about in the coming weeks as we continue our podcast journey into Legendary Status, the Dave Tuzkow podcast, which you can always rely on for a good time and a good laugh and nostalgic views. I'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great week.